And with that immortal 8-bit chip tune, it is another episode of G.I. Joburg. My name is Steve. This is episode 279, and we are talking G.I. Joe Jets. I, of course, am not alone. As always, we've got the deadliest pencils, the side of the dark continent. It's Paul. Hello, boy. Hey, everybody. <laughs> yeah, and... it's, it's, what is it? Episode 279? Worth 279. Huh? Well, we've got a special guest waiting in the wings, but we'll get back to him a little bit later. Firstly, Paul, catch us up, man. You've just come out of another massive Rage Expo. So that's yeah, premier gaming lifestyle conventions bonanza. You survived <laughs> made it to the finish line. How do you feel? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. A little tired. Um, you may hear. Um, you might hear a bit of a rasp in my voice. So I apologize. I certainly do. Yeah. Uh, it was a typical convention. Everything's just loud, and you know when you speak to people, you're speaking at eleven. Uh, <laughs> and uh, sure, man. I was. Uh, and I was, How's course, the sweat was... factor? Your pits really Oof, clammy now. Dude, <laughs> it was so hot. Damn, oh, it was so hot. Awesome. Like you, you know me. I'm I. I can wear a leather jacket in like a heat wave in New York, and I didn't wear my jacket in the con because my work no was super hot. It was crazy hot. You'll never see Paul's legs, so shorts are forbidden. But for him to have taken his jacket off, my word. Oof. Yeah, no, man. But this show is pretty uh, special for a few reasons, um, and I'm going to get into it quickly now. Uh, the reason I was there, of course, is I have this company called Gunplay SA that I started with another buddy of mine, and we sell Gundam and Gundam kits, and, and we're very big into Gundam kits, and I know a lot of you guys know that we are. And so we were, that's why we were there. Um, also, it was special because this is the first Rage that we've had post-COVID, and it was looking like Rage was was uh pretty much dead and buried after COVID, and yeah it 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 rose from the ashes so to speak like the mythical phoenix <laughs> um so it's uh it was in a new location uh it you know if it has traditionally always been in a place called the dome uh, but that's now been bought over by a car company so it was in uh in a place called gallagher estate so it was like kind of like a fresh uh, you know, like a fresh coat of paint on something that was, you know, kind of a, a South African geek staple. And, uh, you know, it, it was Isn't good. the floor space a lot tighter at Gallagher Estate? Actually, that's the one thing. Um, so hmm. it wasn't because Gallagher Estate is quite like hectic. I mean, this is kind of boring radio, but they, they do actually make sure that all the stores are quite spaced out. And that was great. That really helped because if they didn't, I think we all, all would have died from like, you know, heat exhaustion or something. Because, hmm. um, yeah, the show is the show was packed. It was full of great stuff. Um, it had a lot of cool toys, actually, um, especially like Star Wars Black Series, both the the four inch and six inch stuff, which was pretty great to see. Uh, sadly, Any I don't collect. Uh, no, sadly, um, ah. but I di I did see Storm Shadow from the Snake Eyes movie um, in in real. I've never seen that figure in front of me before. <laughs> Uh, I was mildly and tempted. I shouted to ask, man, because I'm pretty sure that thing was a peg warmer along with all the movie toys. Oh, it was a, a peg warmer. I mean, but a part of me was tempted to buy it just for the novelty of, of buying it at the con. <laughs> but another I, Storm I Shadow. Paul's got to have yep, it. I got to have mm -hmm. it. But uh, I, I passed. I passed because, you know, I I don't know. I just, I, I didn't get that warm, fuzzy, exciting feeling in my heart. And I, and I feel like, you know, as collectors, we need to have that. 
You know, you need to have that when you're buying toys and stuff like that. Otherwise, you're just feeding the machine. But uh, there was something kind of crazy. Another thing that was kind of crazy. Well, two things. And this is the stuff I wanted to build up to is the first thing that is pretty amazing is I mentioned a few episodes back. I may have mentioned it on the podcast or in a uh, um, in one of our little uh, Berg uh, after parties. <laughs> but I am uh, officially a um, an ambassador rather for a company called Cricket. And Cricut make a device that allow you to cut shapes and things like that. You know, it's it's something that's often used by, let's say, scrapbook uh, artists. You know, uh, you know, moms and stuff who make like fancy cards and things. But you know, and you get like these label printers. It's like a very, you know, like kind of, you know, mom at home. That's that's how this product is often seen. But uh, they want to put a new spin on it. And as a geek um, and as a GI Joe fan. And as somebody who loves making stuff and crafting stuff, um, I've managed to convince Cricket uh, to make me an ambassador because thanks to guys like Mark van Leeuwen and and I, yeah, a special shout out to Mark van Leeuwen on this one. Uh, I used Mark van Leeuwen's, uh, the, the, well, actually Mark van Leeuwen and uh, Ronald's uh, most recent Playmotion uh, to show off what I would like to do with the Cricket. Uh, one of the first things is to make um, backgrounds you know, like cardboard cutout style backgrounds and diorama scenes and things like that with the cricket, which I feel the cricket is ideal for. So I'm super excited about doing content like that um, for the for GI Joe book and for so our is this book. an art tool, Paul? Yes, for yeah, like... it, it's okay. a it's a art tool. It's a you know it's a craft tool. Nice. Um, <laughs> Online, of course, but then you'd be able to print out your designs. Yes, yeah. So this thing actually plots and cuts out designs. The other side of it is also really super helpful for for customizing uh, GI Joe stuff as well as model kit stuff in the form of like cutting out cool stickers uh, for like you know like something that's quite crazy is that you know if I went and got myself a nice set of GI Joe stickers and whatever, and I didn't want to have too much overshoot on my stickers, I could like get the Cricut to cut them out very tightly. That kind of stuff. I can make some like vinyl decal shapes and whatever. So that's something that it can do as well. Um, I, I don't want to give away too much of what I want to do with it because I want to <laughs> surprise folks over the next couple of months uh, with what well, we hope do. It'll and... be something cool and Joe related, maybe a, a dio piece that you construct yourself. But did this exactly. all happen at Rage? Were you, did you yes. approach them and say, hey, I want to be an ambassador? And they were like, okay, show us some of your stuff. And you're no, like, here kind of... you go. Well, and what happened? Like, at... Okay, get this guy. It's kind of been a long... figure junkie. It's been a long running story. So kind of what happened is, uh, with the formation of Gunpla SA and and all that, it put us sort of on the radar, and they just kind of spoke to me about like its potential for like you know the hobby scene, and then I showed them a few of GI Joe books, play motion videos in the very beginning, <laughs> and they were like, "This is really exciting, and this is cool." Really, you know, they've never which ones this. did you show them? I showed them uh, Blazing Sand, well, of course, mm. and I showed them um, Bad Luck Lady. And mm -hmm. I showed them uh, the the international coiling backyard. the commander. Oh, coiling, okay. Yeah, and then most recently now I showed them uh, coiling the commander. Uh, just Very to show good. them that stuff in practice. So because bad luck lady, we also use some props. Um, you made those really cool cardboard cutout props in the shot. I did I not. Did those were Indiana Jones. Oh, were they? Sort of the yeah, the the four inch series that came out around about the same time as Kingdom of the Whoa. Crystal Skull. That was they all came with artifacts in those little cardboard boxes, but they are great dio pieces. If right? you know, you know. They're they're fun. 
so so that was the so this was something that's been happening over the last like couple of months like uh, i would say let's say six seven months i've also had the opportunity to do a lot of discussions on stage for cricket um that have <laughs> that's, Paul, public speaker man right that, but hang on that, hang on yeah, i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna press you a little bit because we do want to move the agenda along you said two special things happened at rage yes you became an the ambassador and you proposed hey congratulations paul no no nothing <laughs> nothing that cool but steve you know how that one time at rage we played a dancing game uh it oh, yeah. was called just dance and we we like blew that place away it was amazing <laughs> But the original loves to play up the story. He's like, "Wow, man! A, a crowd started forming around us, like, and people were they got did. out their cameras, and it made the news." No, nah, man, they, it was they fun. Did. But I, I can already. find the footage for you. They really did. And this <laughs> okay. is the no, no, this is the joke. So hear this out, guys. So I'm at Rage. It's the first time it's been out. So they're playing a lot of video footage from the old days of Rage on all these screens. And what should appear on those screens? Stephen and Paul <laughs> playing this freaking oh, just man. dance game is being blurred out as, as like one of the things. So of course everybody's seeing me now and they all recognize me. Like as in, I've seen you before. <laughs> I've had that the whole weekend. <laughs> Paul, your 15 minutes of fame have come and, and gone. To add oh. to that, and What's to it add like to being that, a has been? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. And to add to that, they had DDR. Now, I don't know if anybody knows what DDR is. If you don't, I'm going to tell you. Dance Dance Revolution. It's the original dancing game. It was released by Konami. It's colored Soka, squares like, that you stomp on in time yes. with the directions. So you're looking yep. at like circa 1997. Now, when I used to dance um, competitively and stuff like that, Every time after dancing on Saturday, I would shoot off to a mall called Rosebank, which had one of the best arcades ever, and it had DDR there, and I used to jam it for hours. And I loved it. It was great. It was just, you know. So there is and a correlation so had... between actual dance ability and that stupid game. It totally is, man. Because I always just I... figured if you were a dancer, you had like maybe a little bit of extra flair when you were executing yes. the moves but like honestly it's really just stomping in time to the music right hitting the right which, pad at the right time which makes me Steve, you, but you and i take that a little bit for granted because we can do that well you know, <laughs> no, no like, have you ever seen me on ddr it's it's embarrassing I, dance ability does not equate to being good at this fucking game honestly it's it's it a bit of big time that's given me a bit of flair. I mean, I don't hold on to the poles or anything. Anyway, so I went to go and play that game. It was there. They had one. And they had like, and there was a leaderboard and stuff. And yeah, so I was like on the top of the leaderboard and it was like, great. And whatever. It's like, yeah, cool. And then I walked past and I saw it dropped a little bit. It's like, hey, you know what? Whatever. It's no worries. Then I saw it drop down to four. And I'm like, wow, three people in this place are better at DDR than I am. I'm like, okay, cool. No worries. So I kind of told Tex about it. I'm like, hey, dude, like, uh, you guys want to like I, I just did ddr and whatever and he's like no we should totally film that that would be great social media stuff for gunplay i say texas my friend who started anime works and he runs a media cool. company now I'll so he's like okay let's do that but paul do you know the no 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 i'm getting box. i'm getting i'm getting oh. i'm trying to get to that point yeah when you ask me questions you're doing anything because got, so hold on so i'm playing this game and they come and they shoot some video because we think it was funny and whatever turns out it's for a competition and the first prize is like this loot box so i'm like okay cool whatever loot box anyway i'm just happy i got my name on the top i get my name to the top of the score and they like cut it off because they're like okay cool that's the highest score that they've had now because i've actually beat my original score and i do this competition thing and it's cool and they call, call us all up and everybody's like yay whatever you won and there's like fifa competitions and whatever so i'm like up there and they're like cool 
And the girl that comes third place, shame she got like headphones. And then the girl that came second place, she gets some really awesome headphones. And then they ask me, the guy who comes first place, they're like, listen, you can choose three loot boxes or a set of these really amazing headphones. They're like five grand. Okay, that's $380 or something or $350. Um, you can get these really cool headphones or you can get what's in the mystery loot box. So I'm like, well, I got two pairs of great headphones. I'm going to take a chance on the loot box. So I open the loot box and there's this whole spiel where they scan it in with the phone and you hold the loot box thing in the, uh, uh, up and it's got a QR and it creates this virtual space and you're looking around to see what you've won. And guys, do you know what I won? <laughs> From playing a lot of DDR and kicking ass, I won a PS5. <laughs> oh, I won a PS5. Dude. Yeah, right? How freaking crazy wow. is that? Yeah. Wow. You didn't have one before, right? I know. You I hadn't did. made the leap. No, I do. I've had a PS5 since long. Oh, oh but it well, was cool to win one, it, dude. Flip it hard. I mean, That's so cool, right? That's freaking amazing. So, like, this wow. race has been pretty insane. Yeah. So, Paul, it's been a good dude. One. Yeah. That's hey, that, that is that is a pretty cool prize, honestly. Like, from from cutting, you know, typically just coming away with like some free T-shirts and maybe like a bobblehead or a pop or something. Yeah. You hit the jackpot this year. My goodness, man. Well Heck done. Yeah, man. That was amazing. So, <laughs> game so over okay, two very for, the, for the people interested in the actual specifications, what release is this? I don't know anything about PS5, but I know that there are various tiers of hardware. And oh, I assume it doesn't knows. accept a disc. No, it does. It does. It's oh, the it disc does. version. Okay. Yeah, which is the best version. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a PS5. I mean, it's it's the, the sort of gold standard of PlayStation, so to speak. Um, it's the current one that's out now. It's got a... Um, yeah, it's got the disk drive. It's pretty amazing. And yeah, I want how big one. the hard drive? Come on, man, give us the tech specs. Uh, I think I think this one's a five twelve. It's a five twelve solid state hard drive. Oh no, one hmm. one no, it's a one terabyte solid state hard drive. Yeah, very nice. And, uh, I just got yeah. a one terabyte solid state hard drive on my laptop, and the yes. performance is remarkably better. Touch I was wood, about to say, that way. Mm. but yeah, guys. So this has been an incredibly. Um, eventful rage in all the great in all the best ways that it could have been and amazing. yeah and they yeah it was pretty amazing but you know what aside from steven's amazing audio and video quality that i spotted <laughs> earlier so i'm so glad <laughs> to hear your computer's fixed we have got this really awesome dude sitting here in the wings and he wants to jump into the show in the wings in the wings i use that phone on purpose He's dropping in by a parachute. <laughs> For security reasons, we refer to him by his call sign. It's none other than Buttface69. Who better to talk about jets than an aviator himself? Hello, Buttface. Hey. How are we doing, guys? <laughs> Amazing. Oh, I'm still uh, flying from uh, Paul's uh, recent bit of news. I take it to right? you. Isn't that the coolest? That? Yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. Red. Yeah, freaking right. Congratulations, dude. That's awesome. I cannot. Yeah, I'm I'm not the dancing type, so I'm glad you are, my man. <laughs> <laughs> Today on the podcast, we are talking G.I. Joe Jets. So, Buttface, if you don't mind, what are your credentials in this aspect of our beloved toy line? Well, uh, my credentials would be, do you mean for the Jets or for mine, my own as a, as a human? Uh, a little bit of both. Why, uh, why are you the man to talk to when it comes to this topic specifically? Well, I'd be the guy to talk to because I 
am a former naval aviator. Uh, did that for about three and a half years before I got hurt. I uh, flew a little bit on the private sector for a while after I did some government contracting, worked in the aviation industry for a little while. I uh, haven't been in about 11, 12 years. So, uh, But that said, I had an entire childhood around G.I. Joe. Uh, my younger brother and I played with it constantly. I I mean, I played with my X-30 and my XPF-14 so much that I don't think either of them had anything on the that they came with. None of the little bombs or the... <laughs> The winglets or any tail of the canards. Oh, all the tail yeah. fins are gone. Yeah, all the stickers were like on backwards, and you know, I think I think there was a killer whale uh, sticker on my uh, my tiger rat. So, <laughs> so that's just Which how is kind of prescient it. because they put ticker. Um, they put whale stickers on the sticker sheet that came with like the 30th anniversary Sky Striker, in they case did. you wanted to, I suppose, make it up to be shipwrecks ride because somehow Which he's associated totally with the did. whale. You totally, you were the guy who did that, Paul. I well, totally did. Well, did it too. He, he was ahead of the, ahead of his yeah. time. Amazing. Yeah, but yeah, the in in that regard, I mean, I I played with him constantly. I even had some of the little. I had a C one thirty that was a, uh, it was called the Hercules or the Army Man Hercules or something like that. But it was almost that GI Joe scale. That was one of my favorites as a kid. So I mean, my brother oh, and I, I we, that. yeah, we uh, we played with that a lot. So that was that's my my background with GI Joe and my background with aviation. Could it fit a three and three quarter inch figure, this C-130? Kind of. Uh, like if they were sitting down, they could go in the front of it, like the cockpit. And it just looked like, mm. you know, as close as you sit in a two by two by uh, Cessna cockpit. <laughs> Tight. Look, I'm surprised I've never seen this in all my years of collecting the toys because it was the one thing that G.I. Joe oftentimes had in the comic books and never had in the plastic. Like... You had all the vehicles, but nowhere to transport them around the world. Yep. Damn. Nope, nope. But let's do your G.I. Joburg identikit. I'd be very surprised if your favorite vehicles weren't jets, but let's find out. Your favorite Cobra vehicle, favorite Joe vehicle, favorite Cobra character or figure, favorite Joe character or figure. Let's have it. All right, my Joe vehicle is going to be the Sky Striker. As every guy in his 40s now, uh, I started my love of aviation right around the time of the first G.I. Joe episodes and the very first, uh, when Top Gun first came out. So the F-14 was a huge deal to me and still mm. is. I mean, I, I have a family photo that we just took a couple years ago with my son and my wife right in front of the F-14 that they have at the Pima Air and Space Museum. So huge deal for me. Uh, my favorite Cobra vehicle that gets a little more complicated. It depends on the day. I mean, uh, some days it's it the should. Night Raven. The Night Raven's awesome. It's this cool black jet. Uh, other days it is very much the uh, the His Tank. I just I have good memories of the His Tank. Just playing with that, with my brother and my dad when I was a kid. So that one I've got the more emotional bond with. I think is the right term. Oh and yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all about the nostalgia i'm curious oh, though no. did you pop the tarot off and fit figures into the cavity no never did that ah, okay. i was too afraid i'd break it <laughs> yeah, my brother did it though i think he did that a good amount because he loved taking the, the the parts off and trying to see if he could put them on other planes or other vehicles and stuff some parts do not click off so easily yeah mm-hmm. oh, broken tabs <laughs> bound i'm sure but let's talk figures. Of having a younger brother is the younger brother is always going to be the one that does that. So the, as the older brother, I'm sitting there just watching. <laughs> no, oh, God, don't break it. And if he does, then I get to punch him, you know. So. Oh, <laughs> awesome. Instant but, cure uh, for your OCD, just like raw exactly. aggression. 
Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then uh, as far as figures, my favorite Cobra figure, I don't know about figure. A character is definitely the Baroness, just, you know, for reasons. Mm. And, uh, you know, was, <laughs> that was the one that's, you know, there's a little bit of. Did you imprint faces, upon uh, the Baroness or was she someone you wanted to take orders from? Did you actually play as Baroness? Is what I'm. No, no, no. I actually never had the figure. I just whenever oh. she was on the episodes, I was just kind of like, yeah, I like that. I don't know why. But I feel you on there, dude. I feel you on big time. <laughs> and then uh, my favorite Joe figure was always Chuckles, just because I'm, I'm a big lover of Hawaiian shirts. My as a kid, <laughs> I would wear them like for picture days and stuff. My mom would get them for me. And then uh, like I got older, I just kind of like gravitated towards it when i was in college i still had a, a chuckles and a gung-ho like the gung-ho and the uh the dress blues so uh, i had okay. those two just sitting on my desk in college whenever i was you know doing papers and stuff late at night i would sit there and my roommates would come by and grab one of them and they would you know do things with them we'd mess around with them and stuff and just that kind of tomfoolery that you get into in college so a hawaiian shirt tucked into like cargo pants it's an interesting oh, yeah. look. Look, I, I always am quite derisive when the folks at Hasbro call G.I. Joe a fashion line, but it absolutely is. Oh, we yeah. weren't being sold a uniform group of like guys in army greens. I mean, no, we no. were initially, but like pretty soon it became like, which is the most striking looking action figure? And that's the one you gravitated towards. Oh, so yeah. absolutely. We were, we were digging the fashion of our plastic. So... You came up with uh, an interesting way of, of organizing the various Cobra and G.I. Joe aircraft, both helicopters, prop-driven planes, and jets, and <laughs> made tiers, a legendary tier on top, a good tier, followed by a decent tier, a meh tier, and finally a, I'm calling the FAA tier. And you then slotted in each and every one of the vehicles into one of these tiers um there are some obvious choices obviously the sky striker kicks us off as a legendary uh vehicle but there are also some head scratches and i wanted to go through your process on this i mean All firstly right. what 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 possessed you to put together such a I mean, is this something that like you had to do, like your OCD couldn't handle it anymore? You need to make sense of these crazy, wacky things. No, it's uh, my brother and I were talking about it over uh, the Thanksgiving holiday, just like our favorite stuff from G.I. Joe when we were kids. Because we have a, a pretty good memory of a Thanksgiving, I think it was 1990, where we were playing with G.I. Joes in the living room. And uh, one of them got chucked pretty far, uh, pretty far. It was a, uh, oh God, what was that one? It was a fang, the, the original fang. And my brother threw it to see if it would fly because we had the glider too and the glider flew. So in his like <laughs> six-year-old brain, that should fly too. So he chucked it and uh, it ended up breaking and we ended up putting it together and, you know, reassembling it and all that. And I think that's where he figured out, oh, hey, these parts come out. Now I can put things on different things. So because of that that memory, he was like, oh, man, we started talking about him, like all of our favorites as a kid, because I love the Sky Striker, but he was more of a Conquest guy. He thought the Conquest was the best. And I don't blame him for it, because the forward suit wings always look cool. The but, eternal uh, debate. 
Oh yeah. And it's, it's a heck of a one, but I mean, he was a, you know, he ended up when he grew up, he became a, a crew chief on helicopters in the Marine Corps in the CH 53. So he always had a, a, an affiliation with the Tomahawk, which yeah, that's my favorite helicopter mm. too. So like if you could tell me I could fly one in real life, I'd go, I'd go learn how to fly helicopters just for the Tomahawk. <laughs> All right. Let's talk a little bit about that first tier then. You've just name dropped the Tomahawk. That is also in the legendary category. Uh, no surprise that the Cobra entry is the Night Raven. Now, tell me, like, there are some design quirks to the Night Raven, which, I mean, was there any reason why they went with squared off, like, engine intakes? I mean, is there any precedent for that? It's certainly not stealthy. Well, my guess is, is it'd be a manufacturing thing. That's just the the engineer in the back of my head that would be like, you know, it's easier to make things with squared off parts, especially if you're building molds and stuff and trying to keep them sturdy. But the uh-huh. uh, the reason they'd go that way, I mean, if you look at the original F-117, that thing is all, you know, the original stealth fighter, that thing is all sharp angles. So then I think the Night Raven is older than the F-117 being known to the public. Because I think mm. that's where, right around that time period where... Uh, it kind of looks like something. Let's see if I can find it real quick. The original. Now, yeah, the, I mean, in terms of the the Night Raven's uh, lineage, I mean, we all see the SR seventy one in that. So that oh, yeah. that predates the 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 F one one seven by decades. Yes. Um, so yeah, there's so... that in it, but I mean, I think too, it's just the eighties. Everything was super sharp and angular. Even the cars. Look at the MR two. The 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 Pontiac Firebird, all that, all those curves started going away, and everything started becoming sharp angled. So I think that might be part of that design language. And yet, I've always been puzzled at the nose of the Night Raven having a kind of a a duck's bill almost. That is weird. I agree it with that. Strange. Yeah, hmm. that is an odd but, choice. Hey, it's still gorgeous. I mean, I recently took mine down off the shelf and gave it a good dusting. And, hey, man, they, that's one hell of a plane. It's so long. It's so self-important. And yeah, it's black and red hell. are two incredible colors together. Man. I agree with Paul. It is a very regal design. Mm. You know, I never even had one as a kid. I had a kid that lived upstairs from us in military housing. My dad was, you know, uh, in the military as well when I was growing up. And he, uh, the kid upstairs, he had the the Night Raven and we had a, a sky striker and x30 so we would have lots and lots of dog fights all around the uh the back area of the neighborhood that we were living in in maine it was a back when there was a place called winter harbor or was a a navy communications base but we would go around and we'd play out there with them so i'd never had one but i knew how long they were and then my brother got the what was it called the sky patrol one the one that was like all chromed Mm. out oh yeah that was my first introduction to this mold too yeah and it was just i remember like even though i was a little outside of the age group at that point like i'm getting into the teen years and he got a hold of that i still remember thinking how freaking cool that was uh, it's just like this thing is so awesome <laughs> mm. and then the little thing at the bottom where the guys come in and out where it drops down it's like something out of like a starfighter not even like a, an actual jet it was so cool I, for the longest time, bemoaned it having that drop-down cockpit. I mean, it's a neat idea, and it's certainly something that, like, early designs of the Hiss tank wanted to to integrate. But I almost prefer, I wish it had a a hinged cockpit at the top, because 
I don't know. It, it's wonky as hell for one thing. And it on these aging night ravens and sky ravens, it's always kind of in danger of dropping away at any moment. Like <laughs> you, you thought you weren't going to have paratroopers. Well, guess what? Meat <laughs> bombs. Here we go. Bombs away. Well, well that's maybe that's the side of this uh, that I come from is that when I got my night raven, um, you know, on the pictures, the seller uh, didn't list that it was broken. Um, so mm. on the pictures, it looked like it was totally fine. And I mean, I think this was the second or uh, I think this is possibly, possibly the third vehicle I ever bought on eBay for myself. And so when I got it, uh, it was taped to the, you know, the, the, the bottom was taped. And that was so disappointing, but at the same time, exciting that it could do that. I, I, you know, like I was like, yeah, this is really amazing. And it didn't put me off it. You know, you would think having the feature that's broken just right off the bat, it's your first experience with this vehicle would put you off it. And once I got a replacement piece and did it up, I, I still love it. I still think it's one of the coolest things on any GI Joe vehicle is how a pilot is loaded into this vehicle. So I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> At least in your estimation, but face is this the quickest jet under consideration? It's got to be one of the top two. If that's not the fastest, then I guess the I mean the shuttle would be faster. The Crusader, isn't that what it's called? Right. Because I mean you got to get into orbit with that thing. But mm -hmm. uh, I mean the only thing I could see maybe challenging it would be the X19. Is that the one? Yeah. Oh X19. yeah, the Phantom. Nice. What about the Phantom just screams speed, that sort of teardrop, the, the 80s idea of what stealth in the future could be? I think it's that and just the fact, I think I remember reading the word scramjet on it. So whenever I hear scramjet, I'm like, oh, okay, that, that thing can haul. Is that what Tom Cruise is testing out in uh, Top Gun Maverick? I believe so. I do scramjet. think that's Okay, and for us complete noobs... Okay. What is scramjet and why? Is yeah, it so I was about to ask that question. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, so like, kind of the most basic way to put it is voodoo. It is airplane voodoo to go really, really fast with a jet by putting as much uh, highly compressed, highly volumed air into a very fast intake to just completely reignite. Because the ramjets with the SR seventy one had, what mm -hmm. it is is it's pushing in this air keeping the minimum amount of moving parts while still pushing it through the, the turbine and getting all that speed and then just lighting all this fuel afterward just to, you know into afterburner just to bang it on through. And a scramjet is taking that, putting it on steroids and giving just a little smattering of uh, LSD, PCP, and crack cocaine probably. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> Let's pull up our, our tier again. Now we have the Cobra Liquidator as our fourth and final legendary aircraft. Amazing. Why the liquidator? I suppose you're a fan of um, Swedish jets? Yeah, the Draken. That's absolutely a big part of it. I think the Draken's just a cool-looking jet. And I, yeah, it's one of those things that whenever I see it, I'm like, listen, it, I've, I've read tons of stuff written by the guys who flew them. And like, oh, yeah, this thing kind of sucks. But it was neat-looking, and it was fun to fly. And God knows what it was supposed to do in the event of an actual conflict because we don't know what it would have actually been able to do. But that said, it just looks oh. so cool. And it has a little Come water on, gun you gotta function. elucidate on that. Why was it so questionable? I mean, there's issues with uh, the design of it. It didn't like low speed. It didn't really like high speed. It had some problems in. Uh, what's the best way to put this? If you were trying to take it inverted 
uh, and then going up and over the, so you have an egg, the tactical egg. If you look at how an airplane naturally wants to pull a loop-de-loop, -loop, it actually looks like an egg, not a circle. So mm. the Draken, as it hits that top of the loop, really has a lot of trouble with that and wants to just drop that nose. Uh, but at the same time, because of the way the, the, the fins are, or not the fins, but the intakes are, supposedly they had a lot of issues with how they would take in air at that point at the turn. Uh, they didn't like high Gs very much. This is all me just regurgitating things I've been told from other people. This could just be completely wrong. It could have been some guy messed with me on the internet, which good <laughs> on him. If that's what he did, that's good. But, but no, there's all sorts of things I've read about the Draken and the guys who flew it saying that they love the plane, but at the same time, they're like, man, this thing is kind of a piece. But I just love the look <laughs> of it as a, as a Cobra vehicle. Something about it just says like, this isn't something that a person of their right mind came up with, you know? Like Destro was definitely doing lines off the Baroness that night, and then somebody <laughs> drew that one up, and that thing looked cool. And he's like, "That's what we're doing." And, uh... I don't know, man. Like to me, it looks like as conventional a Cobra jet as you're likely to get. I mean, in a way, to yeah. Put, to put the once again the uninitiated into the frame, like this is a a Swedish jet from the 1950s, right? Yep. That's its heritage, and it was premised on the Cold War notion that if airfields get bombed out these things can operate off highways yeah a lot of them were built at that time i mean you weren't quite as sensitive about uh, what's going into the intake and stuff earlier jet mm. engines weren't quite as well designed in the terms of just how much efficiency was needed to keep it going so you could have it suck through a little bit of a rock or two or a, a small bird and it's not small the words. end of the world but <laughs> you know uh, it becomes a bigger problem and more advanced jets like turbo fans and stuff start having uh some really interesting issues on smaller jets but now with the liquidator too the other thing i really like is does anybody remember that very first episode of gi joe and that the airfield oh, getting yeah. attacked and it's all the sky strikers and stuff getting fucked up uh Corporate in my mind back. yeah the plane you never got a, a version of so to me that was what the liquidator was it was yeah. that very first jet we saw and then they were like oh yeah we should make a toy of this like t 15 years later uh-oh, people are going to start it's... telling us that we're driving the price high on this thing because you're making this <laughs> plane way cooler than it is. It is you're cool. It's way cooler no. than it is. <laughs> and, it's got, and it's got the little water cannon, which this is, you know, personal uh, story coming into this one is I like that one because we had that one. My brother had gotten it. And I was like, ah, screw it, because I had a little bit of cash on me. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get the the GI Joe version, which is built off the F-23, which we'll get to later because it's the next tier down. And uh, my little brother and I were playing with it. And then, you know, I hit the natural end of that cycle. Like, all right, cool. You're, uh, your friend can borrow mine. You guys can go play in the yard with it. Oh, Steve, you got one. Oh, I'm jealous. Dude. It looks so I good, got too. It in, I got it in Hong Kong, still mint in box. Oh, Unbelievable. Oh, that, that is, is so nice. pretty. But that's the thing is then my brother filled his up with pee because his friend <laughs> And he sprayed him with it. What a dick. <laughs> oh, my word. And I was so proud of him for Evil. that. I thought that one friend of his was always kind of annoying. So that was my brother's way of getting back. And he's like, oh, yeah, I just peed in it. That's <laughs> <It's> awesome. <laughs> Amazing. But then, I mean, if you get shot by it, like, jokes, jokes been turned around back on you, man. But, yeah, look, it's terrific. And the fact that the, the, the handle, while red, folds away and doesn't really interrupt the fuselage at all. Like, I love these things as well. They're perfect party-sized jets. Exactly. Um, I mean, the guy kind of is reclining to the extreme. But, hey, these are disposable, I suppose, 
just swarming fighters. They they just by weight of numbers they will overwhelm an enemy. Perfect well, Cobra doctrine right there. Exactly, and that's the thing you never remember with Cobra is all their fighters and stuff were either really really big and super fast, so you knew they had to be expensive. And they weren't going to use a lot of them. Or it was something like, you know, the Rattler, which is more an A-10. That's not much of a fighter. So, you you know, in my brain, that never said speed. So it was nice to have yeah. something that would fit that that mold in my mind. Curious, though, uh, it does have this Cobra sticker, which is not the Cobra Air Force sticker. It doesn't have the bat wings. Instead, it has a crown. Is that a little nod to the Kingdom of Sweden? Or is that this is supposed to be intended for VIPs? And to that point... The card art or the box art does have Cobra Commander on it. What mm. do you say about that, Buttface? I don't know. That's uh, just call it the King Cobra, I guess. Nice. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, it, yeah, it'd be cool. Like, I, I always have a problem putting serious named characters into like frontline equipment. Like oh, Cobra yeah. Commander riding the Liquidator, that feels like a problem. Um, I mean, I wouldn't trust him necessarily. Especially yeah, I mean, it looks cool. Maybe he just woke up that morning, looked at it, and was just like, no, I want to fly one. And like, sir, stop. And he's like, nope, want to fly it. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, yeah. Frank no. has to have some privilege, right? There you go, man. Fly it whenever the hell you want. You paid for it, sir. Uh, excellent. All right. Let's look again at our next tier. This is the good tier, and it's one of the most numerous um do you want to take us through them like sort of rapid fire or do you want to sure. pick out certain ones and um maybe give us a bit more meat to the bones i mean we kick off with a major one like this will upset people that it's not a legendary craft but the rattler mm -hmm. i mean the rattler is a great plane it's cool it's in so many different episodes and so many different comics and it's Honestly, if my experiences with the toy itself were a little better, I think it probably would have made it a legendary. But every I, know, I knew two kids that had it growing up, and both of them, every time you try to get the wings to go upward and go to VTOL mode or vertical takeoff or landing, uh, when you go to do that, every time it make a weird noise and it feel like it was about to break. And one time it did, and it started a big fight on the playground. So that kind of sullied the the rattler in my my mind from that point on. But that said, I mean, it's still so hey, nothing cool. about the landing gear. Eesh. Oh, yeah, I've heard I've never had that problem, but I have heard that problem, you know, so I, that's just where my mind is at with it. I had a tiger rat as a kid. That was the, the Tiger Force version, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I had that one and I always thought that thing was really cool. But at the same time, you know, at that point, I had the Sky Striker and I had the X-30 and they were both cooler. <laughs> so it never mm. quite ranked as high. Plus, more often than not, when I would play with my brother and I were playing with our GI Joes, whenever uh, a plane needed to get stolen from a, a Cobra base, it was always a Rattler, and it would always get shot down in the first ten seconds it was stolen. So, <laughs> well, handy that it has a sort of a capacity for a passenger because that gunning position. I mean, it's a nice uh, nod to maybe a, a play pattern that would be be more of a World War II style bomber battle. You know, formation of bombers trying to shoot down a, an interceptor craft. But like in the real, having some pathetic little pew pew guns sticking out of the top of your jet, pretty useless. Next to next to useless. I mean, on the one hand you're shooting the pilot, on the other hand, you're shooting your your rear engine. 
exactly yeah, it's such a weird feature because as a toy it's really cool like you're like yeah this is a really fun thing as you mentioned but then also as a toy it also has flaws like as a kid you'd be like uh, you, you know you would also like recognize that you know even with you know multiple layers of disbelief but somehow a rattler is not a rattler without it at least in my opinion i agree uh, mm. yep yeah it's just part of the joy of it. I mean, you have to take the flaw with it. It was a, oh God, was that the the Chinese thing where they, anything that's broken, they mend it again with gold or whatever? Is that Japanese? Oh, the, Am I offending people? Japanese Hans yell at me Kintsuki. if I'm, Yeah, there we go. All right, see if Han, uh, yeah. <laughs> Hans Chow, please don't yell at me. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, and that whole thing, it's, it's, you've got to appreciate those flaws and that makes it what it is. It adds to the beauty of it. So, I mean, the bombs on that thing are just the coolest though. That was, I have a question about part. the wing loading though. Uh, I mm -hmm. don't know how familiar you are with the A10, but like with the Rattler, the instructions and blueprints and whatnot all indicate that the, the, the frame that holds the three medium sized bombs mm -hmm. are on the outermost points of the wings. Mm -hmm. Isn't that? like the stress testing on those wings like wouldn't it be make more sense for the the the, the air to ground missiles to be on the the furthest points yeah you want the lightest stuff the furthest out nor more often yeah. than not that's uh just the i and what steve's bringing up to it is when you're hitting up on like a high g situation and i should have like a little jet with me one second while i pop this you got your a10 right behind no a6 what's that sky sky skyhawk sky uh. Oh, an A4. There you go. A4. Right. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I don't actually know shit, guys. I'm a massive faker. So on the A4, the Skyhawk, uh, in real life, let me pop it off the stick. The rod. Sorry, so. podcast listeners. You're not going to get the benefit of this demonstration. <laughs> so on He's the holding a model here. jet in his hands. And I'm pointing at the wing tip furthest away from the fuselage. Yeah, this is the same uh, jet flown in the uh, Top Gun by Viper and Jester. So mm. anyway, uh, for these, uh, as you get towards the outside of the wing, as you're pulling Gs, uh, especially into a, a positive turn, so as I'm, I'm coming across, so I've got my forward axis, as I'm coming across that and I'm hitting the air airflow and the Gs are laying onto it, Anything at the edges of it, especially the weaker part of the wing, is going to bend that wing. So you have to fly it a little differently. So if you're flying a jet and you're just loaded down with bombs, it flies completely different than when it's completely slick and you know it's light and it wants to move. So we'll say here, the A4 is the example. Uh, if it's slick like this, I'm just going to be able to go ahead and turn around and do all the, the cool maneuvers you see in Top Gun because even though it's a little attack jet, it has a super good thrust to weight ratio and it's small with a good size motor, and this thing's gonna scoot. In fact, the nickname for the A4 was the scooter. Uh, well, th that was what the pilots called it. The Skyhawk was what the uh, people selling it called. It's like the F-16, they call it the Fighting Falcon, but I've never met a pilot who doesn't call it the Viper. Everybody's like, oh no, mm. it's the Viper. So it's one of those. But anyway, what Steve's bringing up <laughs> is if you had all those weapons at the wingtips, you'd be shearing off your wings in hard turns. Like you make a hard move on that stick and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm over here, but my wing's way over there. That's not good. So uh, <laughs> that's what he's talking about. So all that extra weight is not good. I mean, you can even, if you pick up a bucket in one hand that's full of water and you know you just try to pick it up and down with your arm fully extended, and then if you get a little closer, it's easier to move. You know? So it's that kind of mentality. So 
looking back at uh, the configuration of bombs, how would you order it? I would, yeah, I, I do what you're saying. I would take those two air-to-air missiles, put them out to the outside. The racks of three would probably go... I'm not sure how heavy those things in the middle are. I think the, it's supposed to be a cluster bomb and a, uh, a guided weapon. So you probably don't want those on something that's going to be rotating like the outer wing. So probably just swap the, the bombs with the AA missiles and just go from there. For the longest time, that's exactly what I did. But uh, then I started seeing the paraphernalia and uh, realized I was doing it wrong. And now I'm in two minds. Now I'm like, ah, oh, crap. Whatever looks cooler. It's G.I. Joe. <laughs> that's the whole do. point. Yeah, yeah. Do I make it look like the box art, or do I make it look like it should in my head? And uh, these two two thoughts are always at war with one another. All right, man. We've gotten past the upset. Uh, uh, Let's talk about the vector. Just cool. The vector. That is the vector. It's just I had that one as a kid. I always thought it was neat. Honestly, I and I was just one of those. Or it's extremely swooshable when you hold it in your hand and you're playing with it. It's just it feels like you just moving like swoosh, you know, like it's got that <laughs> that perfect that feel, that look and feel that you want when you're a kid, when you're uh, when you're seven years old and just sprinting through the hallway in the house. That one feels like you're having a real, you know, something really special right there. So I don't know why it's just I have that mentality towards the vector. And similar to the liquidator, it's a uh, it's fun size. Exactly. It's not huge. It's not terribly sleek. It's got a little bit of a booty to it. Did you I enjoy never had that in factor? mind. Oh, I never okay. had the booty on it. To me, that was just what? like no, that was like the guy that would eject it or whatever. Like I'd be flying around and that's the first thing he'd do is, you know, he'd get shot out and then he'd eject the guy mm. out and then he'd have to parachute out or you know, to me it was just or a drone. I remember using it as a drone as a kid, like just hold it around it like the now they have what's the the wingman drones they call Project Loyal Wingman for the F thirty five where you launch a, a drone once you're already in the air and that that thing you know will take missiles for you or help lay down fire against you all that good stuff. But yeah, for me, I never had what that. What the F thirty five's drone? What is it armed with? I have no idea. <laughs> I've read up on it. That's... I mean, it's it's uh, or is it an F eighteen they did it with? It's called the Loyal Wingman, uh, and I honestly since I'm not in the contracting side of that anymore, I don't keep as up as I used to, but the idea is that there's a drone uh, that you would carry up with you, one or two of them. And I think, what was it? Uh, Ace Combat 7. Paul, you're, you're an Ace Combat guy, right? Yep. I know what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah. The Hugin and Mugen that you have on it. Like I always have to mute mm-hmm. out all the, the dialogue on it, but mm-hmm. I'm like, this is mindless anime. Are these on the wings? Yep. They sling them up just oh like a. God. They look like a JSAW underneath the joint, uh, joint standoff weapon. That's uh, what they're called. Wow! But, so this yeah. thing must be loaded for bear. It's got two drones. It's obviously got its internal stores. And oh, wow! Okay, uh, can it can it take any additional fuel after that? And I mean, <laughs> the stealth the stealth that. characteristics must be shot to hell because you've got all this clutter on the outside of the plane. Well, like I say, and I'm thinking, it, I think it might be an F-18 that they did it with a uh, right. Super Hornet, but I know the idea is eventually they wanted to get it over to the 35, because that's what was mentioned to me when I first had heard about it. And so I was like, oh, no, they're doing this. I was like, that's kind of cool. Hmm. Okay. That's around the same time they're saying it was going to get a laser, so. Curious. I mean, the, the F-35, yeah, I've, heard about I, that. I've, I've heard tell that the F-35 is not premised as a 
as a dogfighter in the slightest. No, so to have I mean, this, these like loyal wingman, uh, this is contrary to the the, the 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 philosophy of that plan. Anyways, I feel like maybe we're getting a little bit too technical here. Probably, yeah. Uh, let's talk toys. Let's talk toys. Though, I mean, this is fascinating. I, I'm so amazed to have someone who can speak to these little ramblings of mine. So next up, after the Vector with no drone, uh, is the X-30, the Conquest. All right, so the X-30 hits two things on me that I I absolutely love. One, I already mentioned, is the forward folding wing. Uh, That just, I think, looks cool. There's something special about that idea. Like, you you know, it's one of those ideas they had, and it kind of worked. They tried it with the X-29. The Russians did it with the Sukhoi. and they're like, okay, this works And when you're in transitional speeds, especially like really high-speed stuff where you're trying to maneuver. It, you get a lot of extra at speed with that. But once you're slowed down, then all of a sudden your stall uh, profile looks awful. Like your envelope is terrible. You drop out of the sky. But just looks cool. So the rule of cool always applies. And that's another fun size <laughs> one. Like the X30 is a lot smaller than it looks. Mm. Like when you're actually holding it, you're like, oh, okay, this thing's not huge. So it's, it's like there with the Vector. It's just a little bit bigger than the Vector, I think. But I always loved it as a kid. And the second thing that's so awesome about it is the shark mouth. You know, I'm a big, big lover of the P-40 Warhawk and the, mm. the, you know, the Flying Tigers, the American volunteer group out in Burma, painting the big shark mouth, mouth on everything. I mean, I've got one on the side of this helmet for that reason. So, yeah, just a, a whole lot of love for that design. It just looks mean. It looks fast. It looks just ready to take on anything it's, and i never use those as drop tanks those were always bombs <laughs> okay nice to see that someone who, who should know better is still just like maxing out on the weapons amazing rule of cool right yeah exactly. rule of Got- cool but is it not an argument to be made that this looks far more villainous with all its sharp lines and angles i mean a little villainous yeah but I mean, at the end of the day, it's cool. And that's really what you want. Like, it's a military play toy. You've got to understand that the ability to to blow stuff up and take lives from afar is probably a little villainous just in concept. <laughs> so just okay. lean into the pitch. Then another uh, design aspect that I'd like to pick your brain on is like the very obviously exposed like guns in the nose. I mean, they are looking like, I don't know what you'd call them, like like 50 cals from the Second World War. And I, once again, rule of cool. It, the original <laughs> P-40. You the like that. P-40s okay. had, those, had guns right above where the, uh, the, the eyes were painted on it. In fact, one second, let me go grab my P-40. <laughs> He's got all the toys, ladies and gentlemen. So on the original P-40s, see if I can get this up on the camera well. So you see these little guys. The guns were up top, right? They had two guns up top, and then you had uh, four on the wings. So this is the the later models that had six on the wings and none at the top. But the originals did have them up here. And they were, uh, you know, since they're firing through the prop arc, you've got to have to, you have to slow down your uh, your cyclic rate on those to make them not fire as fast. So they're always timed up to the prop and you don't, you know, de-engine yourself. <laughs> but I always thought it was just such a cool Except concept. And then for it to come back uh, on a, a G.I. Joe jet, just it's too cool. It's too cool not to have. Could a P-40 take on a Japanese Zero in a fair fight? Uh, the entire concept of 
aerial combat is to make the fight as unfair as possible. So Fair the enough. idea being that uh, P40s, I think the way that they were, I shouldn't say I think the way I've always read that they were engaged, where they would try to take the zeros on head on whenever possible because they had better frontal armor. Uh, the zero was mm. made out of balsa wood and fabric, while the <laughs> P40 was all metal. So, and they were firing uh, those 50 cals just would tear through them and set them on fire. So that's kind of the concept <laughs> I always read. So, uh, and if you could, you'd get them in a dive where you have a lot more, you know, ass behind you because you're diving in on top of them. That's where the 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 meat grinder, the wheel of death, boom and zoom, whatever you want to call it, started up in World War II. Is the guys who flew the uh, the American Volunteer Group figuring out the best way to handle that super maneuverable zero was to get into a fight where maneuvering didn't matter. But I mean, unlike um, the United States, like Japan, kind of started and stopped with the zero. Uh, they, did they have a later entry fighter at all? They I did. Mean, the, the, the P forty was kind of the start of of. America's yes. air fleets. I mean, they just got better from there until you got the Mustang, which was hectic, man. Like, <laughs> wasn't that still being employed in service in Korea against jets? It was uh, not really against Wild. jets. They were using it mostly as a, a close air support system. Uh, gotcha. Uh, but yeah, the uh, through to get into that, the Japanese did have other planes come out. The the Imperial Army had different planes than the Navy because the Zero is a naval aircraft. Uh, so you see different things come out of the, the army because the, the Japanese, the army and the Navy didn't like each other. And there was constantly competition between the two for, you know, who would, uh, you know, go for that. Oh, gas. Good. Good. That's a good answer. Gaz <laughs> just shouted out in the comments, P40, Wild Bill Kelso. Explain. Oh, no, just, uh, so Bill <laughs> Kelso. All right. Oh, man, I didn't think I'd get on this subject today. So let's get on to this one correctly, because I don't want to say anything wrong and get yelled at by other aviation nerds on the Internet, because I have had a lot, a lot of people yell at me. But, yeah, what they're talking about is the American baseball player, Bill Kelso, who flew mm -hmm. P-40s in the war and then came back. And I think he played for the, was he Yankees? Gaz, am I right? Was he Yankees? Or was he Angels? Reds? No, well, I'm just going to look at Gaz can keep us honest in the comments. Ah, and um, yeah. my condolences, Gaz, on uh, Germany's early exit from what has been a World Cup of complete upsets. But uh, I'm looking forward to an African team making it to the, the, the semifinals. Amazing. Morocco, our hopes are with you, my friend. Anyway, um, enough about well, fun football. Fun fact, though, about the, to get back onto the Ooh. X30, though. Uh, one more thing, because we were talking about the P-40. South Africa Absolutely. employed mm. the P-40 excellent to excellent accord uh, in uh, northern Southwest Africa. Southwest Africa. Mm -hmm. Nice. You guys what did we come up against? Of... Uh, was, uh, was Namibia operating? Well, it wasn't Namibia. Oh, no, I'm talking, uh, no, I'm talking about during World War II, actually. South Africa yeah, pilots yeah, yeah. in the P-40. Uh, you guys uh, flew against uh, the Germans and the Italians a lot, so... The, the different Fiats and the Messerschmitts, BF-109s, all that good stuff. And, hmm. So, yeah, in fact, uh, the I think the majority of... Uh, oh, now I can't remember names. That's what happens when you get old kids. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, the Luffberry uh, formation where P-40s would get up around and I'm going to have a P-40 flying wingman to an A-4 because why not Apocrypha be damned? Uh so a Luffberry, the plan being that no one can get behind you if your wingman's behind you. So they would 
create these giant wagon wheels of turning planes to try and make it so everybody's covering everybody else's butt. Uh, and uh, the Brits thought that was the best idea in the world to protect P-40s who weren't as good at, you know, weren't going to be as effective in the dogfight as an ME-109 or a BF-109, whatever you want to call it. So the Emils. And uh, so, you know, at first it was fairly effective against novice pilots. And then once the German aces started getting out to, to North Africa, they would just dive through the Luftwaffe from the top and, you know, start killing people that way. So <laughs> they were like, oh, okay. So, yeah. And he worked for so long. Oh, Gaz shoots back uh, with. <laughs> I was referring to John Belushi's character in the movie Lol. Yep. God. <laughs> How did I miss? I haven't seen that movie since like 1999, 98. Oh, it's a good movie. I got to watch it. Thanks, Gaz. Nice. On the to do list. Okay. Okay. Let's fly through a few quick fires. Uh, we've got the Storm Eagle, the Ghost Striker. And let's, okay, we'll, we'll just, yeah, I mean, get, give us some opinions on the Storm Eagle. Get, Storm Eagle and the Ghost Striker, both because they're based off of real jets that were cool. I mean, Storm Eagle, F-23, Ghost Striker's the F-16. Both of them have the cool little handle. Like I said, I already have the story with the, my F-23 that I'd gotten. So I have that story of my brother with the liquidator peeing in it just because it's such a great moment <laughs> in G.I. Joe history for me. And the X-16, I just... X, the, the Viper looks cool in real life. It looks really cool as a toy, and it, it made perfect sense as a G.I. Joe vehicle. It's now, the only instance bit. where I wish it had a single seat as opposed to as, as opposed to having a, a backseat guy. Yeah, because the that cockpit is too. a little bit bulbous, and the S-16 didn't need a, a back... Well, I, I suppose any aircraft could do with someone to share the workload, but it looks cleaner, it looks neater with just one one head poking up in that cockpit i mean it's true that uh, like it's just unparalleled vision in the viper you're sitting high up and you've got a white like a single piece canopy with no frame it's like being inside everything. a giant fishbowl lens yeah <laughs> fish eye lens that one. now i've got friends who flew the the viper and they always said that that was the coolest part is the first time getting it and you just realize you can see everything there's nothing hindering oh, your view it's just you you know your seat's the only thing blocking behind you but your neck doesn't turn that far anyway so <laughs> and talk to me a little bit about the old yf-23 like it's just the black widow man it was cool and then the, the little missile up top that's why it doesn't rate higher to me because i always thought that was yeah just... that's a weird choice but i suppose they had to put them somewhere i mean yeah. essentially the f-23 would be completely clean because it would be storing Internal weapons bays, yeah. Yeah. i mean that it is a looks lovely nice. silhouette and if you told me that you know this is what if you know just pretend you're in the universe of gi joe and they needed to replace the sky striker that's kind of the silhouette you'd expect to see you know oh absolutely i couldn't be happier that this was the kind of the sky striker of the deke era lovely 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 and uh, I thankfully got to see one for the first time when I was in Cape Town recently. Mm. And it was minty fresh. Hey, Steve. I mean, you've got yourself such a great specimen there with that vehicle. I did pull uh, it out of its box. It was a yeah. Chinese uh, uh, version, actually. So it had Madness. the European artwork and Chinese characters. Lovely. <laughs> All right. You guys getting those? I never see those out here. Uh, well, they get snatched up by a voracious market. <laughs> I think that's all it comes down to, man. Like, oh, yeah. G.I. Joe collectors out in Hong Kong are 
perhaps less um, starved. Or they're just fewer in number is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Tilt rotor aircraft or tilt engine aircraft. We've got two of them in um, the next uh, slots. We've got the Fang 2 and we've got the uh, Cobra Hurricane VTOL. I like the Fang 2. You know, I I think the the controversial thing here is I put the Fang 2 ahead of the Fang 1. Yes. Explain. Just the Fang 1 to me, just gyrocopters knowing how they fly and the fact that, you know, you're not creating you're not creating thrust you're creating lift and thrust all that i'm hesitant towards helicopters just as a rule too many moving parts Mm -hmm. and i'm not a thousand percent sure on the way that they fly should be legal but (laughs) i like the fang it's just kind of neat it looks like once the the thing goes forward and every time i look at the fang too i'm just like you know if you sold me that as an ultralight kit oh yeah i'd fly that I'd fly that in a heartbeat. I would probably <laughs> Even die. Even though the, the props, <laughs> yeah, the props are literally beating inches away from your face. Oh, yeah. Still cool. Yeah, as it should be. Exactly. <laughs> like, that's the thing is you're out there with it, man. You got to, you know, you got to, you got to feel like there's a, a danger aspect. Something's got to get chicked. You got to be dangerous <laughs> sometimes. And the missiles are also like firing off on either side of your head, which is precisely why I think like the Alley Viper or the Heat Viper with their very heavy helmets are probably the the um, likely occupants. Oh yeah, gotta have something with a blast shield. Just drop it down, hit the button, have your day. <laughs> <laughs> the Hurricane VTOL is this based on anything in existence or anything conceptual? It looks like one of the bad guy jets from the first Top Gun game on NES. I think that's why I like it. Exactly. But it's just like when you go to pull up to that tanker, man, everything from that that period of time. Like I can just anything that reminds me of that really gets points. And it's just that VTOL. It's it was neat. I remember that's another one too. Is that a two seater or a single seater? Two seater. Yeah. Wow. That's another one that I think the two seat should have been a one seat. I don't get the... Yeah, it kind of makes the the front end all canopy. Yeah. Like it's it's like the, the pilot, is, his feet are literally shoved all the way till the nose cone. But just bringing up that rear profile, absolutely. I see that in Top Gun too, the, the Nintendo <laughs> game. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh... Right there, you just want to hit that, keep mashing the is it the A button <laughs> to shoot the machine yeah. guns, go chase it down. <laughs> yeah, it's just, oh, the, I mean, there's just something about the look of it. It's got that classic, you know, a kid's view of what a fighter jet should be. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like a kid drew that, and then that was refined. Morphins, more pointy bits, more missiles. It's got 11. Air-to-air, presumably air-to-air missiles, though I suppose you could pretend they were air-to-ground if you were so inclined to make this a bomber or an attack craft. It's got the the wingman buddy. It's even got what I'm going to call a spoiler. I mean, oh yeah, surely that it's makes so zero cool. aerodynamic sense. I mean, in right. a way, it kind of does. You're building lift. <laughs> it's just your center of lift will be picked up off the the frame a little bit, so. You'll probably have to keep that thing trimmed forward a lot. It'll be bunting the nose Aren't all you the time. going to create but... some kind of vortex in that space. I mean, yes, do but weird no. things to the airflow. When you get the I bigger thing, just is... drift. 
everywhere. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's just one of those things. If you're thinking about how it'll fly in real life, you'll you'll get to way into it. I'm, I'm sure there's somebody who's rebuilt this thing on like simple planes and can tell tell you better than I can. But just to look at it and say, you know, it'd probably have a little bit of a weird lift aspect and you'd probably have to deal with the nose wanting to do stuff you don't want it to do. But at the same time, it looks too cool to complain about. <laughs> First rule of cool. Exactly. Wait, That's the what thing to take away. Rule of yeah, cool. Rule yeah. of cool. Rule of cool. I got All a right. need for you know the rest. <laughs> Guys, I just Paul. before we get to that next jet, I'm so excited. I missed Top Gun Maverick on cinema, but it's showing on IMAX. So this week I'm gonna make a plan to watch Top Gun on oh, cinema. Back. Yeah, dude. It's on IMAX. Like, oh my god. So I didn't get to see it on IMAX, robbed. so I'm a little guys... jealous. Yeah. So how amazing is that? So Steve, maybe you should try and get Rob and then you guys go and uh crack uh, in an IMAX somewhere in Cape Town. Maybe there's one left or something. I don't know. No, but, there, uh, there, are, there are two left, I think. Um, great. Good idea. Uh, I, I saw it on ooh, sorry, the guys. big screen, but not on the IMAX. And yeah, that film is awesome. Um, we are running a little long, so yeah. how, best to, how best to crack on? Seems well, I mean, like the we're going to get helico- helicopter yeah. heavy now. But yes, the, the X-19 is great. As a kid, it, I didn't even understand how it worked because I had first seen it in the comics. And I honestly thought the cockpit was where the intakes are. Just because mm. that made more sense in my brain. But then when I saw the toys, like, oh, it's way at the front. That's cool. So I just thought that the X-19 is a cool concept. G.I. Joe needed a stealth bomber. It, it makes sense in universe. It looks neat in real life. The guns that come out of that just come out of the thing are awesome. It's like something out of an X-Wing or something like so that's cool. Uh, the helicopter backpacks, I have a, a very soft spot for Major Altitude and his because that's that's a childhood memory of playing with my dad when I was a kid. I'd just gotten oh, nice. one of those, and I'd gotten home from school one day, and I just have a crystal clear memory of him and I playing in our backyard for two hours one night with that thing. So that one's I always can't be believe a that's a reuse of Wildcard's head and helmet. It's like that <laughs> that helmet is meant to be on a guy operating a helicopter with an engine that's exposed and basically like right next to his head. Like that's that's what you want to wear, man. Exactly. Don't want to get mm-hmm. yourself like banging your head on everything around. And then the Mamba, Cobra's only real helicopter. Because if you think about it, the, the Fang, <laughs> yeah. the Fang is a gyrocopter, so it's not a real helicopter. And Cobra always needed a helicopter. Like we never got that that cool transport Cobra helicopter that was always there, like oh, a, you know their take on a tomahawk. But that's it what was they such had. a fully fleshed out design in the comic books, and yet never it saw was it. really just the brainchild of the artists themselves, and never designed to be a toy. Unbelievable. Getting back Not to a... the battlecopters, though, and I, I know we need to press forward, but like, I suppose you just never really considered that these things should have a tail rotor. Well, I mean the. If you think about it with oh, even the battle copters, oh, the little backpack ones, yes, they should have a tail rotor or a second rotor on top that stabilizes it. Because in real life, that you know, if you're flying one of those, you'd just be throwing up a lot. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, but both the battle copters and the the wind up and go or pull back and go, you know, oh, vehicle action packs, like yeah, none of them have any kind of tail rotor. But I mean, at I least the battle copters the... have a tail boom. Exactly. And I think the cool thing about the battle copters is it feels like this is something that could exist and maybe they had a way to to work it out where, you know, I have the, I'm calling the FAA thing specifically 
on those uh, battle packs. And it's kind of the con same concept, but the difference being is on the battle copters, one, I have the, the good uh, memory of my dad with it. And two, you know, I always pretended that that back tail boom had something that would stabilize it. But those backpacks, those things are just designed to decapitate the guy flying it. So <laughs> I always hated that. I think design. in the case of the Cobra one, the back peg can slide into a lower or higher position. So you can get a little bit closer to the blades if, uh, <laughs> if you're so inclined. Get a haircut. <laughs> what did you make of the Mamba's multipods? Did you like the idea of it deploying these little rocket planes? Rocket I honestly pods? think that's awesome. I think everything about hmm. the Mamba in terms of... Oh, I love you, Birdface. It's just great. <laughs> keep expecting you to shit on these things, and you're like, no, it's awesome. Even the ones I don't like, I still like. Like the Condor, I, I have it in the I'm Calling the FAA, but I only have it in the I'm Calling the FAA because when the back part separates and you have that thing on the back, it scares the crap out of me. Just that entire design, awful. And that might be, mm. that said, high swoosh ability, and I love it. Like, if you could make that work in real life, someone should make it work in real life. But no, the Mamba, uh, there's a reason it's in the good tier. I mean, the little pods launching off, that's a cool toy feature. And I I mean, if I had been playing with one as a kid, that would have been how all the Cobra secret agents would got, have gotten deployed against G.I. Joe. Oh, yes. They'd fly him in a Mamba and shoot him behind him in the lines. And all of a sudden, you've got an eel that jumps out the back and swims and puts a bomb on the bottom of the whale or something, you know. Outstanding. You've uh, opened up a can with the Condor, though. How does it propel itself? I cannot see any engine exhausts, anything resembling oh, conventional well, propulsion. You know, I always thought as a kid that ring on the back that actually holds the two lasers, right? Mm -hmm. I always thought that for some reason that would just be a giant fan. And then once it someone did back actually mention the Dyson fan, yeah, that it, it kind of forces air through it at a high velocity i don't know if that Guys, would do anything aerodynamically though when i see the dyson fan it makes me think of the condor so yeah i'm totally there <laughs> it's like such a random thing not random it's actually really cool but yeah that just got uh, it just kind of came full circle in my brain pardon the obvious pun um when, when i saw that with the the condor it's like ah this makes sense and then you just put a gun inside your dyson and there you go you got a condor but hey whatever I'm just glad yeah. you said the condor swooshable, man. Exactly. Just whoo. Plus, it's a good because... boss fight in the G.I. Joe game. Oh, heck <laughs> yeah. Totally. And the rollout bombs, like, that's a very quick way to lose Oof. all your bombs. I mean, in very quick succession. Cool but it feature. certainly beats having to individually, like, pull off. Like, if you've ever wanted to do a bombing run with a Rattler, you're like, ah, what a ball egg. I gotta individually pull these bombs off the... the the frame and the central uh, no nah, come on the condor at least takes all the grunt work out of it you just roll that thing and make merry hell and then the other problem too is on the condor you see right there on the box where it says weapons do not shoot but they totally do when you... <laughs> those little dropping things man that was awesome yeah man that was a feature they underplayed i think that should have been a bigger part of it let's just jump to i suppose the I'm calling the FAA category because we've sung the praises of, of really fantastic vehicles. So we're going to stick with the same category that the Condor uh, and the vehicle action packs fit into and keeping them company all the way at the bottom of your, your ranking are the Pogo, the Skyhawk and Serpentor's air chariot. Should we start with the emperor? 
in honor of his recent action figure release for the classified series i'm fine with that i think uh the chariot just always seemed stupid to me and that and i hated serpentor as a kid like i always thought cobra commander was fun he's running around he's yelling at everybody calling them names i can appreciate that as an older brother that's how i treated my younger brother so <laughs> for all older brothers everywhere cobra commander kind of spoke to us serpentor comes out and all of a sudden he's just this i command and i always thought that was lame like i was there was just enough common sense in me as a kid to go like where are they getting Andrew, you know, or uh, Alexander the Great's genetic material from? That you know, did he have a, a stiff sock that they found somewhere? But um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just that part of me because I was getting to that age where I was starting to understand these things. So I was like, no, I don't, I don't like Serpentor very much. And then in the movie, he's just you know, you get the whole Cobra Law thing, and that's when GI Joe started to try to go off the rail a little bit, and then it course corrected. So. No, nah, I never liked Serpentor. So just that chariot on top of it just never did anything for me. I'm delighted that someone was savvy enough when they were plotting and scripting G.I. Joe the movie that the liability of having a caped character standing on top of a fan, like to, to actually just pull the cape in there, that was genius. And why is he holding someone a Someone looked at the toy, scrutinized it, and they were like, you know what, guys? This is really, really crummy design. Let's use it. <laughs> I just want to know why he's holding that knife. Like, if you've got a chariot that has machine guns, why are you just gripping that knife and one-handing your, your, you know, your chariot there? Never and did it the, for If me. you're referring to the box art, they are showing off absolutely everything that the set comes with. Yep. They've even got the snake kind of peering yeah. over the side of the, the air chariot. It's the first time I've actually looked at that and scrutinized it. Yeah. It's all the accessories on display. Mm -hmm. No, um, looking at the box art now, and for some reason, this is only like dawning on me now, but I wonder if that back propeller thing, you know, where all that, you know, that little turbine, I wonder if that was something that was added later on in the production. Like they tested it out with kids and maybe they got like pushback because kids are like uh, playing with it wrong, you know? So maybe they kind of put that there to kind of sell the fact that it can fly. Mm. Um yeah, because a part of me kind of feels like that was added on. I don't know why. Yeah. It's that at the back there, it kind of feels like it's a grip. Like you're meant to be able to put your thumb there and your, your pointer finger like underneath that and fly it around. But now you've got this turbine thingy and it kind of gets in the way. It actually kind of makes this toy harder to play with. Um, mm, and when I say harder to, to play stand, with... If you took that turbine away, this thing would rock backwards. Mm. So yeah, Especially that's... with the, the weight of a figure on it. Oh, yeah. So what you're also, worried about I'm is kids were sad. playing with it like they were a jet ski. Yeah, <laughs> that's course. kind of what I think was happening, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. That makes sense now. That's what it is. It's a jet ski. A big gold snake jet ski with wings. Serpentor also, likes going down to Daytona of, Beach. Another yeah. side of like design, especially like when you talk about boss design in video games, um, is that it's important that you design weakness into your design. Sometimes... We call it um, necessary ugliness, or at least uh, here locally when we design stuff, we call it necessary ugly. Because sometimes if something is too cool and too slick, it's, it's just, it goes past people. But when there's like a hooking point, something that's like a little off, a little janky, a little odd, people seem to cling onto that. And that in itself enhances everything else sometimes. And I, I feel like maybe that Serpentor's chariot, you know, that there's a design in there. Like that floor is kind of designed to not make it impossible, to make the boss fight bearable. 
so to speak. Mm. The floor is called gold plastic, if you ask me, man. Yeah. <laughs> Gigantic weakness of this toy. Though I've found Mayo chair to be quite sturdy. Maybe it's just because the guy I got it from took immaculate care of it. Like, I'm going to name check. Like, he's a Singaporean seller, and this stuff must have just never seen the light of day. It was minty, minty, minty fresh. Not everyone is as lucky with their gold plastic, though, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the Pogo now. Oh. Boing. All right. All's yeah, I was, you know how I was talking about Destro doing lines off the Baroness? <laughs> <laughs> this Another one's definitely that adult. same night. You know, I think that was the same <laughs> night just blowing through. I'm going, oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to build a jumping pod. That's what we're going to do. So, yeah. I assume this was later, later on that same night. That night, uh, exactly. Hmm. That's the whole thing. Is the, Everything about the Pogo, it's let's build a rocket that goes straight up and then it has to land as hard as possible like the Apollo lander and then it's going to keep doing that now I don't care what you're doing on the inside for that you can give them you know the world's best seat in the middle oh and all the weapons are going to fire either straight down or straight up so it <laughs> never gets to be never gets to be super useful like everything about the pogo makes no sense to me which is yeah and I like how it says umbilical plug in here like just Give it that extra bit of discomfort when you're looking at it. Like, yeah, great. Now I'm everything <laughs> about this. How the hell is... do I hold this thing? It's just got the only thing cabling. good about the Pogo is this, this is the 69 right there after the ZOX. Great job, guys. I knew they snuck. Does it ever change if this is a, a space vehicle? Space vehicle's fine. If it's on the lunar surface, it makes perfect sense. Mm hmm. But if you're using that thing I, on I mean, Earth, I don't know enough about the history of the toy line, but surely like the design came from that. And then they just were like, no, no, it's a bouncing pogo ball. I still think um I still think this thing is very video game inspired, like Lunar Lander or or something like that. Oh, you yeah. know, from the 80s inspired this uh, this vehicle's design. I also kind of uh and I, I you know the problem is, you know, one's memory is so like overwritten by the video game and seeing how functional this thing is in the video game, which is, you know, take it or leave it. But it's difficult to like, for me to see anything else that came before this other than like Lunar Lander. Like, so that's, that's the only like thing that makes sense to me where this could come from. But as a space vehicle, I think, yeah, I, I kind of feel like this was probably designed as a space vehicle. First off, I think oh, the yeah. whole terrestrial concept was, was tacked on later and I also just want to take this opportunity to just say thank you to Jim Godfrey for sending me a pogo way back when. I am eternally grateful because I absolutely love this vehicle. <laughs> Every floor that it you has, would. I am so in love with this thing. Like this is like the the Raptor, or I don't want to say Crocmaster, but you know it's the Raptor. It's the crystal ball of of Cobra vehicles. It's just mad. <laughs> But that's yeah. that's the beauty of it. I honestly think that yeah. like even though it's in the lower tier, there's something about it that you know you have to be seven for this to make sense on a good level. Exactly. You know? This and I think that's always been the beauty of G.I. Joe is there's that that intrinsic nature to where you have to have a childlike wonder for it. You know? Yeah. I mean and Yeah. It, you totally do, and 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 as Darren Cobb was just uh, just slashed on screen. Sorry, I had a bit of lag, but he just said, "Hey, Fred made the pogo, not my man Destro." So of course, 
you know, Destro's doing lines off the Baroness's butt, <laughs> and Fred's cribbing off his homework, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Fred's uh, fawning over cutouts of the Baroness. One day, she'll be mine. This is my ticket to ride. <laughs> White <laughs> Right on, gentlemen. I think we're nearing the finish line. Let's talk a little bit about the Skyhawk. Why? Right. Why, Buttface? Why? Okay, so every other vehicle on this thing I can say nice things about. I hate the Skyhawk. For a, mm. a plethora of reasons, and uh, the first one being, uh, and uh, some of them are truly personal. Like I had a Skyhawk as a kid. I had one, and like I want to say eighty four, eighty five. So yeah, a very young me. Places, but no, but it broke immediately <laughs> and just kind of broke. My oh heart. no, that's the worst. It, like just immediately, I think I had a skid snap off, and then the little the hinge on the cockpit broke. So that always bugged me, or the canopy. So uh, that bugged me, and then. Uh, my local, how was it? I forget what which broadcast network affiliate that played GI Joe, played the episode Cobra's Creatures constantly. I felt like every day when I got home from school, that was the episode that was on, and oh, yeah, it has it's, it's Skyhawk heavy episode. They keep getting crashed because mosquitoes are flying into the intake. So I'm like, well, if a bunch of mosquitoes can <laughs> take this thing down, then it's the crappiest one. Then uh, in college, when I was playing Battle or after college actually, uh, when I was in flights flight school at pensacola the battlefield 1942 mod came out for gi joe and the skyhawk was in it and it was the worst thing to fly it died mm. easy it was super uncontrollable and this is you know i loved playing desert combat the other mod that had helicopters that were known for being really hard to fly i never thought they were that bad but i hated the skyhawk and then on top of all of that it's just where those those engines are on the back of it doesn't look like it's uh, balanced well for the thrust. So if, in theory, if you weren't to take off, it would just shoot your ass up and then flip you over every time you went to take off, and then you die. So on all those things combined, and plus the fact that GI Joe at this time had the Shark, which was also you know a small flying vehicle, but could also go underwater. So it made it immediately better than the Skyhawk because it had an extra function as well. So all mm. those things combined, uh, we have Captain Suck It. You know. <laughs> 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 Suck Lord 5000. It's ungainly. You're absolutely right that, like, your mind, like, it should be longer in order to balance out where those thrusters are. But it's just an extremely well armed, small vehicle. Like, I was marveled at how many guns were crammed into the front end of this thing. Hmm. It's got those two cannons that have some swivel to them on the underside. And then, like, two machine gun nacelles on either side of the cockpit. That's a lot of bullets to cram into. Not a lot of fuselage. Exactly. And just something about mm. it always just felt like it was a... You know, like we were talking about Sir Pentor. He's got a jet ski. I guess it's the ones that look like jet skis I don't like a lot. So <laughs> this, is, this one's just a mm. super fancy jet ski. The mm. fragility issues just are never-ending laundry list. Like, I find after putting the engines in for the first time a lot of them stress at the the clip point uh, to the point yeah. where like they then become very limp like they floppy. can't swivel and hold their their, their position they become flopsy wopsy the 25th say, anniversary i know you want to say good. It, <laughs> no of course you know me too well the 25th anniversary is good it glassed in the cockpit gives it a removable engine panel um it beefed up the skids 
but it added a third engine which points like horizontally back from the cockpit and that actually interferes with the other two engines pointing straight down which hmm. come on man you yeah, need them to point straight down this is a vertical takeoff and landing craft anyway, yeah minor gripe but but yeah the glass down canopy was terrific on the the new version random question um would for a VTOL to go from vertical flight to let's say horizontal flight pardon lack of technical terms would the thrust always need to be engaged or would there be a point where the thrust thrust is disengaged for the VTOL to change its its positioning for the, for uh, the thrusters you are asking the right guy because you flew what did you fly but i just fly the harrier for a little bit before there i got hurt go. uh, i don't have a lot of hours in it but i have some uh but yeah with the harrier like any type of VTOL thing uh what you'd want to do because you'll have a transition even helicopters you see when a helicopter takes off they come up and then they tip and then they go so yeah you're going to need that thrust the whole time. I mean, in theory, if you went up 50,000 feet, then cut your engines and then decided to go forward, you know, you have that distance to fall or you could get your nose down a little bit to get going. So, yeah, you're going to you have to have a transitionary period uh, from everything uh, I've experienced, at least. So I'm talking to a friend of mine that's currently uh, in the, the F-35B the, that's capable of VTOL or that has flown it he was telling me that you know it's essentially the same thing you have the same transitionary period it's just a lot more stable he's felt like in the f-35 than it was in the harrier but yeah you definitely right. don't lose thrust in that period or you're probably going to die i mean the original harriers lost a lot of pilots that way because oh, they would have engine okay. failures on transition and then they'd immediately just lawn dart oh crazy okay because like the reason i ask that is because on the skyhawk you know you've got the um, at the back, I mean, if you have to play it at going the thrust the whole time, essentially it's going to eventually uh, destroy the the rear part of the of the of the plane or of the aircraft. You know, uh, you've got that whole um, portion then that holds the foils, yeah, at the back or whatever they're called. I'm like, I'm, my brain is dead today from so stabilizer. Of, we'll just call it stabilizer. Stabilizer state, yeah, like yeah, it just looks like it's going to fry that section of the of the aircraft, and that I mean, always kind of bugs me a little bit on the on the skyhawk's design maybe it's just made with super cool metal like adamantium yeah or, uh yeah. what's it called vibranium Gundanium. there you go vibranium yeah gundanium there's yeah. another one yeah mithril yeah, yeah. that way we get all the, <laughs> the fictional metals but before and and also just before we transition to our next jet um for me my issue with the skyhawk was yeah it's it's a cool it's, it's got a bit of a swishy feel but you start getting very irritated with it when the stabilizers fall off Mm -hmm. and they fall off often and then what adds to that is if you're a little ocd or you just wanted to not do that then you're debating with yourself whether you should glue them on or not because that's yeah, the like other I side glued. oh yeah i, yeah, glued mine no, when I, was I like can't six. bring myself to glue mine um but mine keep falling off and it drives me freaking crazy <laughs> so yeah anyway that's just my two cents on this bad boy from a toy perspective what's yeah. next steve i think i well, saw a I, glimmer I or something we're going to cap it off with any notable mentions. And the one that I want to slot in uh, as my notable mention pick kind of finds its way into the decent tier. And it is the Skystorm X-Wing helicopter. Now, we were talking a bit about jets. And we were talking a bit about transition periods. This is a rotary craft. This is a helicopter that stops its rotor mid-flight 
and engages a jet engine. Like, is that batshit or is that real? Like, enlightening? They tried it in the 70s. If I remember correctly, they did try something that flew this way in the 70s and it kind of worked. So, <laughs> if hmm. I remember, uh, this is, you know, this could be me misremembering something from, you know, two lifetimes ago. But uh, it, the reality is, is it could function, especially with that jet there. So really what it would be, because I don't, just looking at it, like right now, it's purely from someone with a bachelor's degree in aerodynamics, or not, aeronautical science and aerodynamics from 20-something years ago. Uh, when I look at this, I don't see any way for that rotational energy when the, the, the uh, rotor is spinning to get transferred over. So, you know, like... Uh, we were complaining about how there's no rear rotor on the, the battle copters, right? Mm-hmm. So there's nothing like that on the Skystorm. So it would technically be a gyrocopter at that point. So, you know, for we're assuming just for, for uh, the sake of argument here. So the idea being that there's a big jet behind it on that back section. So, you know, you have your, your front section and your back. So let's say this is our X-Wing. And then you've got your, your big rotor up top. And then at the back, you've got a big jet engine. So that'll, you know, be pushing it forward. So the idea is now that that rotating rotor up top is just there to provide lift. So as it's providing that lift, uh, transitionary would be a weird one for it. I don't know how you'd be able to land that thing. Uh, but Transition I know... Transition back to pure helicopter mode, I guess. Yeah, so you're just kind of... Well, no, actually it makes sense because now we're thinking about this now that I'm kind of engaging my brain on it. Uh, it's called auto-rotation and helicopters do it all the time in emergency situations. So maybe it's a controlled auto-rotation system uh, when it goes to land it. But I don't think it'd be a VTOL system. But my understanding is that the rotors actually stop mid-flight and just become a wing. Oh. Huh. Yeah. Oh. In a kind of an X formation they got they create this kind of high wing airfoil huh well that's news to me as a kid i always thought it just always moved it's just it changed the the distance on it because it looked neat. I, I look i i didn't like watching airwolf for that reason i was like how can a helicopter have its helicopter blades still spinning and it's got these jet engines pumping away at the back like like, oh no, that makes perfect do... sense. That the really? the blade still spinning uh, would provide lift. So if you look at how a gyrocopter works, the as yeah. those blades are moving, that's still going to nowhere near lift. the kind of velocities that Airwolf is going. Well, Airwolf, yeah, but <laughs> it's getting I mean, into if like you look at real... Mach numbers. Let me see. Let's see if I can pull some up. So, so if you look at the original gyrocopters from around the 1930s. Yeah, the 1930s, or even the Eesh. modern ones. Now that I'm looking at, like if we're looking at a uh, like a Mad Max kind of thing, I don't know how to present on here. But, uh, share they screen, I think, is share the way. screen, mm, or it's uh, under present. Now they call oh, it. Oh, okay. Ooh, yes, Box right. with a plus. Got it. All right, share screen. I just something that keeps grabbing my attention every time is that remove before flight tag that you got on your set of oh my my dress yeah yeah I love that that. (laughs) that's also being anchored by a poker set but if we look right here and I'll share it right there so you guys see that the right here there we are okay this doesn't have much connected to it this is just moving with the airflow around it to create 
as the centrifugal force you know moves the the the, the rotor itself it's helping create lift all the thrust is coming from this guy on the back so mm -hmm. and so the helicopter blade is not powered exactly uh -oh. this guy come on is designing stuff again <laughs> so right here though with this really cool concept you can kind of see like where he's using that little uh handle he's got where he's going to be able to to manipulate those rotor blades to change the way the lift is working and the function is and then you've got this right here where we're working with the uh it kind of goes through the, the whole process so as that blade is moving the airflow is being used to create the lift so the thrust is then pushing forward so the idea is with it as a pure gyrocopter you don't need the wing because the rotor is being the wing and the manipulations mm -hmm. made to that rotor then provide the manipulations like an aileron or an elevator would in a normal way. Uh, brilliant. Gaz in the comments just gave us some good reference for anyone who's not following along with the visuals. Uh, Little Nelly from You Only Live Twice. That is a perfect example a of a yep. very highly armed gyrocopter. They had aerial mines that are deployed with little parachutes. How cute. Amazing. Mm -hmm. But okay, so I mean, Darren makes a good point that Switchblade from Mask is probably a, a good example of, of transitioning from jet to helicopter and back again. But that's, that is a, a, a transition. It's not, a, not really a transition. It's more of a transformation because there's a period where the helicopter blades have dipped into the fuselage and then the jet engines switch on so just like you were mentioning earlier there'll be a significant drop in altitude yeah while it's just a, a rock with no propulsion essentially uh with the switch because i'm now i'm looking at that because i have i've never actually seen the switchblade before this is my first mm. time i am a total deletant but uh when it comes to mask but yeah with that i mean i guess it could work too if you had enough uh thrust coming from behind and you were getting up there then you're kind of a gyrocopter for a half second until you become an actual helicopter and then as you switch from helicopter over to jet essentially you just got to get a little bit of forward momentum and if those jets have you know a really nice high amount of uh thrust to them and it's immediate on demand like you hit that throttle forward and then they're immediately pushing as hard as they can then you probably wouldn't have that bad of a, a loss but I look mean, we are again, talking, talking about a show that had yeah. a camaro basically open its or was it an iroc i don't know whatever it was open its i think that was the one with the delorean that would pop open yeah yeah and become an aircraft so uh, some 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 salt much necessary um all right paul do you have one that you want to pick out of the um the tier Ooh, this is the very same tier that has the, um, ooh, yeah. Actually, I was looking at it earlier, and I'm wondering, like, the, um, I can't believe I forgot its name, the Sea Ray. Hmm. I, I mean, because the Cobra Claw makes perfect sense to me. I feel like that could actually be super plausible. But the Sea Ray, I'm curious, like, yeah. like Incidentally, the Sea Ray is on the decent tier. While the shark is on the main on the indecent, <laughs> so cobra advantage. The reason I like the the sea ray, or yeah, that's what it's called, right? I got that one. Yeah. <laughs> the reason I like that one better than the shark is mostly because the way I saw you guys defend it in one of your videos, where it had the guy in the glider what? in the back and coming off back? and all that. I thought it was cool. I just thought that sold me on it. I never played with one as a kid. I never had one. It's the same reason the claw is as high as it is, too, is I thought you guys using it as a drone 
uh, in that one ep- that one episode you did, uh, the play motion with Zartan, where you oh, had yeah. the, the claw set up as a drone. I thought that was the coolest thing. So those <laughs> immediately gained a tear just for that. But yeah, that's well, the whole it's reason. Well, got that central it. bomb. It's got to be a drone, man. There are instances where it cannot have an occupant. So I would argue that its primary function is as a drone. And then once it's dropped all its ordnance, it's uh, it becomes an escape vehicle. As and that's like the perfect that... Cobra usable vehicle if mm. you think about it. That's the perfect way for Cobra to go about. So no, I the C Ray and the Claw are actually both little mini love letters to what you guys do. So I love oh, that you guys have used them in play motion. So that's why I like them. <laughs> <laughs> cool, excellent. All right. Well, on the way out then, Buttface, is there anything that you'd like to pass over that we haven't chatted about? I mean, just to let the listeners in on it, like there's so much. There's the dragonfly, the locust, the the fang one, the mud fighter, the fire bat, the stellar stiletto, the crusader, um, the destro's dominator, which is the tank that transforms into a helicopter. Talk about a transition, and albeit a weird one. The flight pod, Zanzibar's air skiff, the falcon and viper gliders, the GI Joe razor blade, <laughs> a zipline helicopter. Yuck. Uh, the Cobra Swampfire, Dreadnought Swampfire, Destro's Despoiler, the Cobra Jetpack, the AGP, the Locust. I've said that already, didn't I? Um, and then the honorable mentions in the bottom category, not really an aircraft, but deserves a mention. It's the Defiant Launch Complex and the... Vindicator. V- not the Vector. The Vindicator. Thank you. Whew, out of all of that. You know, I think the, I'm looking at it now, and the one I wish I'd put up a little higher now that I'm just staring at it is I wish I'd put the Firebat a little higher up. Mm. Just it's it's got so much, you know, it, it's it feels like a, a kamikaze jet, but I just I like the the way it looks next to the Mud Fighter. I think just seeing those two next to each other, where you have GI Joe's answer to it as a close air support vehicle that's. You know, it's low tech, but it's designed to do a very specific job. And then the Cobra answer is this, oh, yeah, we're going to make it super fast. We're going to make it launch mobile. out of it. It's a suicide mobile. So I, <laughs> I don't know. I think it speaks to the uh, the design ethos of both sides really well. Now when I'm just looking at them next to each other, it's just really kind of speaking to me. Yeah. And uh, this is something that we stumbled upon with, uh, with Dustin Cordish's contribution to the International Backyard. Uh, that if you were to misassemble your mud fighter and put the wing tips facing, well, I think they face, yeah, they're slightly forward swept on the the proper design. But if you had them swapped and they kind of sweep backwards, then yeah, the silhouette becomes very firebat like, you know, very like far rearward uh, wing surface that is completely swept and has no kind of forward uh, forward pointing wingtips something yeah, about man. that mud fighter it just feels like it'd be so durable like this thing could get shot up to hell and back and you'd be able to get it home but the fire bat looks like oh if you put the wrong you know if you got gas from a, a pump that was just pushing a little lower on the octane you'd probably destroy it so it's it's a neat i don't know just a an exotic sports car versus a, a pickup truck Exactly. Like and that's mm-hmm. where both mentalities come from with G.I. Joe and Cobra. So I, I like that. I like the, the idea of it. Now, firebats land on their tails, right? Is that how you envision them? They kind of pitch up and then and then just drop. You reduce the thrust until you're parked. No, you just eject. 
Those are single-use fighters. <laughs> yeah, you, you point the nose at the the nearest target and hit the eject. Okay, good. And hope for the best. Outstanding. Oh, lovely, lovely stuff. Um, does anyone in the Berg Force in the chats have any questions for Buttface while we've got him? Paul, do you have any questions, my friend? I've been very, very um, active <laughs> on the mic as usual. Uh, dude, Not just I'm because actually... your voice is tired. No, man, I'm so happy because a lot of what you've asked is very similar to what I would have asked anyway. So I'm running down a hill, man. Me. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's been it's been highly like educational. Um, and also like super surprising because I mean you being an actual pilot, um, you know, we were expecting you to go for like more realistic stuff. I mean, at least that's what one would perceive, but you know, you you really get into it, and it's great because I love that because you know, you get so many arguments with guys online and like, this is not realistic. And then you've got the actual guy who actually flies jets or whatever going, it doesn't matter. It's just you know? cool. It's all it's got to be. Yeah. You throw enough uh, thrust behind anything, it'll fly. Who cares? So, <laughs> Martin Day is that G.I. Joe needed an Osprey. But face, how would you G.I. Joeify the, the, uh, mm. the Osprey, the tilt rotor? I mean, oh. apart from the Cobra equivalent, which is, I suppose, oh. the Fang too. But you know, uh, a transport, uh, well, what would you call I it? I think if it was going G.I. Joe, uh, especially that, because I think that the they don't need the Osprey because they they have, you know, the the Tomahawk, which kind of fills the same role. Now, would it be as fast? Probably not. So if I were to try and G.I. joe an Osprey, I think the Dragonhawk, is that what it's called? That they used in the oh, G.I. Yeah. Joe Revenge of Cobra or whatever it was? I thought yeah. that was yeah. really cool. And it's in the mobile game. I've played it on the mobile game. That one's useful to have. So uh, once again, that's the rule of cool. That one fits it perfectly. I think the jets on it are neat. It feels like it's kind of that. It's like a hind gunship, but if it turned into an Osprey or something. So that would be my answer is they already did. And that's what it would be. So we're talking about the G.I. Joe one, not the Black Dragon VTOL. That's the one I'm talking about. It's the Black Dragon Uh, VTOL. Okay. Okay. Because the one I'm thinking about was the movie line. Which looked like a reject Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles vehicle. Well, now I got to look that up. One second. (laughs) You do indeed. Okay. Now, the Black Dragon, it's a very like slender, spindly craft, the the Black Dragon VTOL. Yeah, but it's so pretty. It's a cool design. It is pretty. Mm. But that that, that would definitely tend more towards Cobra, as far as I can tell. As a toy, I wish it was just a teensy bit bigger, just a little bit. Oh, of course. Just so that the pilot didn't feel like he was completely, you know, being crushed in the cockpit. Body but it's great with vintage figures. So, <laughs> Gaz oh, on wants to know your opinion on the Locust. But yeah, firstly, address the G.I. Joe. So it's the Howler. The dragon in the room. <laughs> the Howler, oh, yes. The Howler. I know, I'm looking at this is my first time actually looking at it. It looks pretty neat. This is, it feels like more like uh, something out of Halo than G.I. Joe, but I guess that's kind of the time period. So we're old now. So this is the new future. So no, I think that that'd probably be the way to go. Just give it some props instead of some jets. And yeah, that'd be about it. That's, I, I think they already did it right. I think they did a lot better job on everything that wasn't the His Tank. They did a really good job at in these movies, I thought, for vehicles, other than acting and casting and all that because they're awful but... <laughs> accelerator suits what you know what though i'm going to stick up for it though the very first half our first 15 minutes of the second gi joe movie they did the live action one with mm-hmm. uh, channing tatum and the and rock. rock that was mm-hmm. great 
a buddy comedy with the two of them and G.I. Joe would have been perfect. That, that should have been I the agree. whole movie. Should have been the whole yeah. movie. I think it would have made it a lot more fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Would have, yeah. All right. Our request from the Berg Force uh, goes along the lines of your opinion on the locust. This is the... a little jelly bean of death from 1990. It's the least amount of effort they could have put into making a toy helicopter. And Boo still, to that it. I say, <laughs> I know. Boo to that I, I say as it. well. I, I don't know. Just something it's got play features, but just something about it. I don't know. I, to me, I, there's the cynical adult in me that just does not like that one. And I do like that it's a JT triple eight, you know, instead of the uh, the hooded Cobra Commander. But uh, yeah, that's how I see it. You know, it's kind of got that that little thing on the back or on the front where. You compare like the the serial numbers and whatnot. So I always think a hoodie whenever I see a, a his tank for that reason. Right. So JT mm. Joe team, I guess. But uh, no, I don't know. Something about it just it, it it seems it's not minimalist to me because like there's minimalist where you do as little as you can, but it's still neat. Like I think the Fang is minimalist where it has that mm -hmm. that design language that speaks out to it and it's it still looks neat and it serves a purpose. The Locust, on the other hand, it's just something about it feels like the least amount of effort went into it i i would counter by saying the locust like the fang to me looks like a a helicopter that got the scaling wrong like if 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 it was sized up it would proportionately be perfectly right for a smaller scale whereas the locust looks like an accurately scaled mini helicopter it's got no tail it's got no nose it's literally a bubble with an engine slapped behind it and you know a fan behind that to stop the kind of counter rotation um like this is at least it's got all the design hallmarks that would make a helicopter but then squished into a very compact package which you know make it a mini helicopter it's for I don't know, like that sequence in Mission Impossible where <laughs> flying a helicopter in a, a, a train tunnel. Like it's for those impossible G.I. Joe scenarios where you absolutely mm. need to get a helicopter into a tight space. See, it feels more like G.I. Joe got a budget cut to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's just that's where I'm at with it. It's to me, it's just I, I think I encountered this one too late in life. And that mm. weird period where you're in your teens and you're to your mid to late 20s where you're a little more cynical without having earned it. And then you get <laughs> a little older and wish you weren't as cynical. That's where I'm at now is I'm older and I wish I wasn't so cynical. So with things I'm introduced now, I give the benefit of the doubt. I was introduced to this at the period where I wasn't giving that. So I guess that's just kind of my my imprint on this one is that it's just not it's just not what I would want it to be. Here, here. Oh, well, Paul and I love it. So I guess. Uh... At least get don't let my dislike time. don't let my dislike for something shade yours because honestly any joy you can find in life is pretty much worth grabbing onto I'd say oh agreed fully man and I, and thank you for that because I, I, it's I got bombs feel like... it's got missiles it's got big guns that swivel it can take two guys on the skids and it's got a fully enclosed canopy I like the idea of a glass cockpit that is mm. protecting you from the elements like. Those poor, poor Fang pilots, and Fang 2 pilots for that matter. Like, this thing takes at least pilot survivability seriously. You've got something between you and the beating rotor blades over your head. So what do you think the Cobra equivalent of the Locust is? Because to me, it feels like that would be the trouble bubble. 
Ah, good All point. Right. Okay. AGP. It's a I little bit more substantial. Was too, for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, for me, it was the Fang 2. would be the Cobra counter to the Locust. That, okay, yeah. actually, Martin Day just said something in the comments. The Locust or the Skyhawk would be perfect for the battle platform, and I do have to agree with that. That is a yes. very good point he's making. My Locust is currently parked on my TTBP. So hmm, I had yeah. one of those as a kid, and yeah, uh, I had a tomahawk on it, and that thing did not like staying on it. <laughs> <laughs> My word, I, dude! You managed to get a whole tomahawk on the TTBP pad. We would balance it. My brother and I got really good at just how you'd get it because we wanted to. I mean, like every kid, we wanted a flag, but my dad would always point out that we had a kitchen table. So, <laughs> good point. <laughs> and our fault not like out. it was going to go in our room. It was like that thing was huge. So. Yeah, like so many kids that grew up in the 80s, that was the thing is the TTP or, is there, or the tactical battle, the TBP, tactical battle platform. You stand in, we know what you're talking about. The no, battle platform. Yeah. The battle no, platform. Was our, uh, that was our, our big Joe base. So we used that one for everything. So uh, yeah, that's where the Tomahawk lived. Yeah, man. Wow. Cool. Okay. Amazing. Yeah, have you got to I wish it, I, right? I I need to see pictures of this. <laughs> but like I can just in my mind's eye or like in my, my mind's ear, I can hear the creak of the plastic of those little like red supports for the TTBP. Yeah. You have to get it balanced because right two else it goes off the side. And I mean a Tomahawk's <laughs> weight effectively doubles when you've got it loaded up with figures. Mm -hmm. So oh man, gonna get some. I'm pretty sure mine happening. was glued. That thing was yeah, down. glued oh, and put some some wireframe in there to, to shore it up. Uh, my dad became quite the the good GI Joe mechanic by the time we were <laughs> eight or nine. Everybody years old, needs so. one. Yep. Oh, I kind of wish I could send my my broken toys away to uh, Mauler Joe. He's uh, yeah amazing with coming up with uh, ingenuitive fixes, but I'm like I don't have the skill. I don't have the tools. Man, oh man, why can't you just live in the same village as me? <laughs> hey. Anyways, yeah, but he but has faced. been our Joe doctor. It's been great. He has, at least um, a correspondence doctor. Yes. That's, that's the way medicine's going. Uh, Buttface, anything you'd like to, to mention on the way out, man? Um, thank you so much for your time. We are running quite long, so oh, let's I'm not sorry keep you any that. longer, bro. No, yeah, no. I, I Honestly, I could talk to you for three hours. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, guys, cool. I just thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I hopefully it wasn't too boring. And I cannot believe I'm still mad I missed the Bill Kelso thing because I thought Bill Kelso was a completely different P40 pilot that didn't even have the last name Kelso because I'm completely wrong. I had to Google that one. So I feel like an idiot for missing such an obvious joke by Gaz. I feel like a complete war. I feel educated either way because uh, I'm completely in the dark, man. We are... <laughs> 1941 is a wonderful long. movie. You apologize, but uh, watch in January in um, on on Jeopardy that question's gonna pop pop up. <laughs> Someone's gonna catch and... it now because I oh. exactly. And go. somebody's gonna be so happy that they listen to this podcast. <laughs> there you go. Listen to Joe Joburg. Yeah, expand your mind. All right. Well, we're punching out on episode two seventy nine. Joe Jets with butt face six nine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen, let's lock right. it. I think, I think that's what I want to title the episode. <laughs> I want to title it 279 with Buttface69. There we go. Amazing. Yeah. We really do earn that explicit rating we get on iTunes. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs>
No, dude, it was there long before you graced us with your butt and your face. So let's <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Love you long time. And uh, also, awesome, awesome. Thank you to the Bergforce who joined us. Thank you to the Bergforce for their assistance every month, keeping the lights burning down Thank here. Thank you, guys. Um, Rob was left without power, which is why he was absent on this, uh, this fine night. But yep. uh, I'm sure he sends his regards if he could. Tell him I love him. <laughs> I know. We yeah. all love Rob. <laughs> Rob's just so we really he's do. a delight. Every time you get mm-hmm. something with Rob. Oh, uh, man. Well, thank oh, you, gentlemen. Well, I'm sorry. Do you feel cheated? Oh, no, we'll, no. Uh, just let him know I love him. Then we'll be there. We'll give you guys a private session. Ooh, Maybe in episode ooh. 280. Yeah. He's got <laughs> a, I, think I'm, I think I'm AWOL on 280. Going up the coast with the family. And oh. I don't think there will be much internet to be had. Ooh. Boo. You're saying it's but the Paul and Rob show. Dun, dun, dun. It most likely <laughs> will be. So everyone boycott. No, I mean, everyone support and, and listen and <laughs> That's enjoy. That's so mean. <laughs> Paul, you know I love you. All right, boys. Know, with all do. this love floating <laughs> around, it's time to say bye. He's gone. It's just us. Just us. Bye. Bye.